go to God's word as today we're going to finish up our series on the end times. What we've been doing all throughout the fall is we have been studying the six major events that the Bible says are going to take place in the end times surrounding the second coming of Christ. And as we have done throughout this entire series, one last final time, let's go to the timeline. I hope I burned this timeline into your brain by now, but let's look at it once again. In chronological order, the events of the end times are the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming, the millennium, the great white throne judgment, and the new heaven and the new earth. Now we've already studied all these events in detail. If you missed any of those messages, you could go back up and look at them on our website or our YouTube or our Facebook. The question that we need to ask now is this. Now that we know about each of these events, there are some final things that Jesus wants us to know regarding it all. What does Jesus want us to know now that we know all these events? What he has to say, what he wants us to know about all these events now that we know them is found in the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And what he has to say here reminds me of a phrase in that famous childhood game that I think we've all played, hide and go seek. How many have ever played hide and go seek? I think we know how that, that, that game goes. You know, the hiders go and hide. And what does the seeker do? They kind of wait and they count down three, two, one. And then what is that famous line that they say before they go seeking? Ready or not, here I come. Can I tell you, that phrase perfectly sums up what Jesus has to say in Revelation 22 as the pages of the Bible come to a close. Three times in chapter 22 of Revelation, Jesus tells us he is coming soon. Look at it with me. Verse 7, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Verse 12, once again, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. And then in verse 20, yes, I am coming soon. Now, what I want you to understand, those words are both a warning and an invitation to be ready before it's too late. That's what they are. Because ready or not, he is coming. And the question is, are you ready for his coming? That's the question Jesus is asking as the pages of the Bible come to a close. Now, as we further dig into this passage, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things that Jesus wants us to know. The first thing he wants us to know about is this, the certainty of his coming. First, fill in the blank in your notes this morning, the certainty of his coming. Let's go ahead and start Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. Jesus says this, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Now, to help you better understand what Jesus is saying here, I want you to notice the two words in the verse that I've highlighted and read for you. Those two words are soon and keeps. Let's start with the first word, soon. It's the Greek word, tachu, and it means soon, quickly, and suddenly. So here's what Jesus is saying in this verse. I am not only coming soon sometime in the future, but when I do come, know I will come quickly and suddenly, so you must be ready for it. 
Okay, that's what Jesus is communicating to us here in this verse. Now, I want you to notice the second word I've highlighted in the verse, the word keeps. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Now, that word keeps is the Greek word tereu, and it literally means to guard, to preserve, to keep intact. You say, well, what is Jesus saying here? Here's what he's saying. Blessed is the one who guards, preserves, or keeps intact the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Now, why is that so important? What is he really trying to say here? Here's what he's really trying to say. Blessed are those who take the words of this scroll to heart and live according to its truths. That's what he's trying to say. That's the point that Jesus is making. Blessed is the one who lives ready and prepared for these future end time events that are described in this scroll because they're going to come quickly and they're going to come suddenly on the earth. Now, what scroll is Jesus talking about? Well, he's talking about the book of Revelation. Okay? When, when John was first given the revelation of all these end time events, he's not writing them in a book that's, that has a binding. He's writing, they would write things on scroll. So he's writing this down on a scroll. So here's what you need to understand. This is what I want to burn in your brain this morning. In fact, can I just tell you, one of the things that's so in my spirit this morning is that I think this would be a great sermon for young Bible college students. So keep that in mind. But what I want to think I want to burn in your brain this morning that you need to get down is this. All the future events concerning the end times that we've talked about in this series that John has been describing for us here in Revelation are not fantasy. They are not dreams that are meant to be interpreted to mean something else. They are not allegories meant to teach us other spiritual truths. These are real future events that are certain to take place. And John makes that point very clear at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Remember, Jesus gives him this preview of all these future events. Jesus takes him into the future. He's looking at this previous event. And as he goes back to write an introduction to what everything that he has seen, look what John says at the very beginning of Revelation. Look at it. Starting in verse 1, it says, the revelation from Jesus Christ. So who did he get it from? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, that's you and I, what? What must soon take place. You see that? He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw that this is, everybody say is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, now watch this, and take to heart. You see that? What is written in it. Why? Because the time is near. This is what Jesus wants John to communicate to the world through the book of Revelation. So the events in the book that we read about are real events that are going to happen suddenly and and quickly in the future one day. So let me go ahead and put the timeline up once again and just kind of help you kind of put this together on a bigger level. Listen, folks, can I tell you, the rapture is a real event that will take place. 
One day Jesus is going to remove his church from this world before he begins to pour out his judgment in a time called the tribulation. That's why you see in Revelation, the church is not on earth during the tribulation. The church is in heaven around the throne worshiping Jesus while the tribulation is going to, happening down on earth. This tribulation that's going to happen on the earth, Revelation tells us, is going to consist of a seven-year period of great distress on the earth. There will be great deception and great wars and great famines and great pestilences. If you think there are things like that happening now, you just wait till the tribulation. In the tribulation, there's going to be great earthquakes and great signs in the heavens. Revelation tells us it'll be a time of great demonic activity. Demonic activity is going to increase. There's going to be great destruction and death that will take place. It's going to be a time of great martyrdom for those who find salvation in Jesus during that tribulation. It's going to be hard for people to live for Jesus in that period of time. Just go back sometime. In fact, I want to challenge you this week. Go back sometime and read again what the book of Revelation says about the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments. Do you understand those are real judgments that will happen on the earth in the future? Revelation tells us that all the nations of the earth will be gathered to a place called Armageddon in which Jesus will return to defeat them, the Antichrist and the false prophet, and then will proceed to set up his millennial kingdom, a kingdom in which Jesus will rule and reign over the current earth for a thousand years. And at the end of that millennial time, the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire for all of eternity. How many are thankful for that? Then will come the great white throne judgment in which all non-Christians will be judged for their sin and thrown into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Then the final event, and we looked at it last week, the, the final event on this timeline is the creation of a new heaven and a new earth that will be free forever from the curse of sin in which God and his people will rule and reign with him for eternity. Folks, those are all, everybody say all. Those are all Real future events that will take place. They are certain to happen. Now go back to Revelation 22. After the angel, remember that John's been on this tour of all these events, one after another. He's been getting a peek into it. And look what the angel said to him in verse 6 after the tour is complete. The angel said to me, look at this. These words are what? Trustworthy and true. Otherwise, they're going to happen. The Lord... The, the God who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And here's verse 7 once again. Now Jesus begins to speak. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Now look at verse, verse 8. I, John, talking about the apostle John, am the one who heard and saw these things. I mean, he didn't just hear about it. Jesus gave him a visual peek into all these things. And when I heard and saw, heard and seen them, watch what he did. I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. Understand how overwhelming this must have been for John because he realizes all of a sudden these aren't, these aren't dreams that are meant to be something else. What I just saw is real events that are going to take place in the future, and he is so overwhelmed by it that the only, his only response is to fall down and worship God. 
Now, I don't think that John was trying to worship the angel here. I just think the angel happened to be there. Uh, But the angel wants to be sure that that's not what's happening. So look what it says in verse 9. But he said to me, talking about the angel, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. And what he says is worship God alone. Okay, that's interesting to me because one of the things that you find in the Bible is angels are always very careful throughout Scripture not to be worshiped. Actually, the good angels, that is. The fallen angels, the devil and his demons, always want people to worship them, but not the holy angels. Okay, they're always found in Scripture trying to deflect worship away from themselves unto God alone. Now, here's the, here's the big point that I'm trying to get you to understand. We need to take the future end time events described in Revelation and in the Bible to heart because they are certain to happen. And to take them to heart means to live your life ready as if they could happen at any moment. Listen, the certainty of the second coming and the events surrounding it should motivate us to be living for the next world, not for this world. It should motivate us to be living holy lives ready for the soon and any moment return of Christ. This is the point that Peter makes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And we've looked at this a few times in this series, even looked at it last week. But let me take you back there again. Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. He's not just talking about the day that Jesus sets foot on earth. When he says the day of the Lord, he's talking about all these future end time events. And he says they're going to come like a thief, just like Jesus said. What? Suddenly and quickly. Okay, how many know a thief doesn't announce when they're coming? They, they come by surprise. Now watch this. He says, since that's going to happen, since the coming of the Lord is going to come like a thief, and watch this, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare, since everything will be destroyed in this way. Here's the question. What kind of people ought you to be? Now he's talking to Christians here. And you know what the answer to that is? is? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Taking to heart the end times events is meant to be one of the greatest motivators to have your life ready to walk into eternity. Do you understand that? This is why, let me, let me just say this, and then you're going to start to understand why I say, I think this is a message that, that needs to be taught to our, our young Bible college students. This is why it's such a mistake for churches and pastors not to be teaching on end time events. I've noticed a trend where younger Christians and younger pastors really want to avoid the end time study altogether. I was just talking to my daughter, Liza, this week, and she goes to a Christian school, Christian Bible college. She's studying to be a pastor, and she had to preach a sermon this week out of Thessalonians that had to do with the second coming. And, and, and the kids really liked her sermon, but one of the things she heard from student after student was, we don't really plan on teaching on the end times because we just think it's overtaught, and we don't need to, we need to, we don't need to, to teach it anymore. We just need to be ready. That's a mistake. When you hear things like, you really don't need to know all the details about Jesus' second coming, just be ready, that is unbiblical thought and ignorant of the scriptures. If people don't know the details surrounding the end time events, how can they understand the urgency to be ready for Christ's return? 
when we don't teach on the end times, it's going to open up how people live their life. And then we're going to wonder why the church starts to look more like the world and its priorities and the philosophies rather than those of the kingdom. Can I tell you, not spending enough time talking about the end time events is part of the problem. Not all of it, but it's a big part of the problem. When you get the end times teaching in your spirit to the degree that the apostle John did in Revelation, you won't be able to do anything else but fall on your knees and say, oh God, I want to be on your side. Oh God, I want to be, be ready. Oh God, I want your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, because your will is going to be done no matter what anybody says or thinks. I want to be ready for the rapture. I don't want to be here when the tribulation happens. I want to be ready when all this stuff happens. How many can say amen to that? God wants us to know about what will happen in the end so we can be ready for Christ's return. Now, here's the thing that's tragic. Tragically, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says the majority of the world in the end time, in the end times when all these end of time events begin to happen, they're not going to be ready. When these events suddenly come upon the earth, many people will not be ready. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. This is right after he just got done describing the tribulation and what would happen on the day of his actual second coming. Jesus says this, verse 36, but about the day or hour, no, but about that day or hour, no one knows. And when he's talking about the day or hour, he's not talking about just when he comes back once again. He's talking about all these end time events. Okay, it's that all these end time events is kind of goes under the day of the Lord idea in the Bible. He says, no one knows the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Now he goes now to give us an example of how it's going to be. Watch this. As it was in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, remember God judged the world with a flood. Okay? The tribulation isn't going to be the first time that God judged the world. He judged the world with a flood in the days of Noah. For in the days before the flood, flood watch this, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. So people were just kind of going about their business. They were doing life. They were living how they always lived. And, 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 and it's not necessarily that people didn't know what Noah was doing. They thought Noah was a fool. It took them 100 years to build the ark. They didn't get it. But all of a sudden, suddenly and quickly, the flood came. And the judgment took them all away. Look what Jesus says. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So understand, just as the events of the flood took the earth at that time by surprise, most people were not ready. Most people didn't believe it was going to happen. So what will be at the second coming? Most people will not be ready either. Now look at verse 40. Jesus says, this is how it's going to be. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand meal, one will be taken and the other left. Now, you say, is that the rapture? I'm not so sure it's the rapture. I think it's possible there's a double meaning here. But this is really referring to, in the time of Noah, the flood came and swept people away. And who were the only ones left? Noah and his family. I think there could be a double meaning here because the reality is, what's the first event to happen on the timeline? 
the rapture, you got to be ready, right? Because you don't know it could happen at any moment. So it's possible it's talking about the rapture here, but in its original context, it's, it's, it's just referring back to the days of Noah. Now, so because the events of the second coming will come suddenly and unexpectedly, look what Jesus says, therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house be broken into. So you also must, what is the words? Be ready. ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So I, I know this is repetitive, but I just, I just want to get in your spirit. One of the most powerful tools available to motivate us to be ready is to study the end time events. Don't throw them to the side. Don't avoid them. You keep studying them. You keep learn, learning to better understand them. And, and you learn to keep them in mind as you watch the history of the world unfolding before your eyes. In fact, one of the things that's amazing to me, and I didn't have time in this series, but I grew up in a very good Bible teaching prophecy church and talking about end times. And, and there are things happening in our world right now that those preachers were talking about in the 80s that now my, I just go, oh my gosh, I heard about this already. I already knew this was coming. Do you understand when you know the end time events, you can tell that the world's getting more and more pregnant for Jesus to come into the earth and be born into the earth once again. Okay? Listen, these are real events that are going to happen. And they're great motivators. I don't want to go through the tribulation. I want to be ready for the rapture. I don't want to stand before the great white throne judgment. I don't want to spend eternity in the lake of fire. I want to rule and reign with Christ in the new heaven and new earth. How many can say amen to that? Now, in the words of the angel in Revelation 22, these events are trustworthy and true. Once again, real events that one day will take place. So the first thing that Jesus wants us to know as the Bible comes to a close, is about the certainty of his coming and all these end time events. And and why is that so important to Jesus? Because he knew people would scoff at it. Remember Peter says scoffers will come scoffing, saying that's not really going to happen. Jesus said, I I knew people were going to scoff, especially as you get, there's going to be scoffers, but you need to know these are real events that are going to happen. You need to know the certainty of all this coming true and happening one day. The second thing that Jesus wants us to know about here as the Bible's scriptures come to a close is about the urgency of his invitation. Look at verse 10. Then he told me, now talking about the angel, remember this angel has been touring him through all these future events. Do not seal up the words. Let me say that again. Do not. Everybody say do not. Okay. Do not seal up the words, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Now, here's what that means. I want everyone to read about it and understand what is going to happen. That's what that means. Okay? So the second coming and the events surrounding it are not meant to be a closely guarded mystery that can't be understood. Okay? That's the idea. Okay? This is much different than what we read about in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Okay? Dan- God gave the, the, the prophet Daniel all kinds of revelation about end time events. In fact, the book, Old Testament book of Daniel is packed full of, of prophecy about, about the end times. And 
Look what God told him to do with the revelation that he gave him. Look at this. Daniel chapter 8, verse 26. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true. Otherwise, it's going to happen. These are real events that are going to happen. Now watch this. But seal up the vision. This is different than what we see in Revelation 22. Don't seal up the vision is what we see in Revelation 22. Now we're seeing God say, seal up the vision. For it concerns the distant future. Go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, roll up the roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Well, Daniel's confused about it all. And so he, he so I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of what? the end. Now, there's a prophecy here about the time of the end, and it says this, many will be purified, made spotless, and refined. That's talking about those who find salvation in Jesus. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise, otherwise that know Jesus and are committed to his word, they're going to understand. Now, here's what you need to know. We now, right now, know much of what the prophecies in Daniel mean because we live in the end times. Okay, what, what I need you to understand is the time in between Christ's death and his, and his resurrection, the, the time in between that and his second coming is what the Bible refers to as the end times. So we've been living in the end times ever since Jesus' death and resurrection, okay? God's plan for us to be right with him through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross was a mystery until what happened. The Old Testament prophets prophesied about it, but they didn't quite understand it. This is why Israel missed it. This is why the disciples were confused all about it because that plan was a mystery until it happened. What I want you to understand is Jesus' death and resurrection was the key that unlocked the meaning of the end times prophecies in the book of Daniel. That's why the angel told Daniel, you don't worry about understanding them now. You just seal them up. It's for a future generation to understand. Well, when it comes to the end time events in the book of Revelation, once again, they're not meant to be a mystery. Okay? How Jesus' first coming unfolded was meant to be a mystery, not the second coming. Look at it. Once again, then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll because the time is near. It's all meant to be understood literally and plainly. Okay, the second coming of Christ and the events surrounding it are not meant to be mysteries that you can't understand. This is why it's meant to be read and interpreted, interpreted literally. And it's why I've taught it to you event by event, literally throughout this series. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you ever hear someone say, well, since Christ's first coming was shrouded in mystery, we should expect it to be the same at his second coming. Just know that person does not know their Bible enough. Now, here's why the end time events are not meant to be a mystery. Because God wants his invitation to the world to be crystal clear. So what is that invitation? to find salvation from sin through faith in Jesus before it's too late. That's the invitation. 
And studying the end times will help you properly understand the urgency of that invitation. It helps you properly understand what the true gospel really is, what the invitation is that people need to understand, what they need to respond to, why a person desperately needs Jesus in their life. The end times will help you understand that properly. That's why there is such an urgency. There's, such a, there's a huge urgency to respond to the invitation. In Revelation 22, what happens here now is it, the, there's verses that unfold why the invitation has such urgency behind it, why there, there's such an urgency for Jesus calling people to repent and get right f- with him. Look, look, look at these one by one. There's, here's, there's some reasons. Reason number one for urgency when it comes to Jesus' invitation is this. The invitation has an expiration date. Look at verse 11, Revelation 22. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vow person continue to be vow. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Now, at first reading, that seems just like a really odd verse. I mean, what in the world is that talking about? What, what's that referring to? Well, here's, let me interpret it for you and help you because it's not really hard to understand. There is coming a time when your eternal fate will be sealed. When it will be too late to respond to the invitation to find salvation in Jesus. So you better respond while there is time because one day the invitation will expire. You say, when is the expiration date when you leave this life? You must put your faith in Jesus for salvation during this life or it will be too late in the next So in some regards, everyone has a different expiration date. It's the date you die or when Jesus comes back again. When a person's life is over in this world and they stand before Jesus to be judged, understand at that point, their eternal fate is sealed for all of eternity. So understand the verse now. For those found For those who found forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus, they will continue to be righteous for all of eternity. For those who are found without forgiveness of their sin, they'll continue to remain in their sin for all of eternity. That's what this verse means. So why is there such an urgency when it comes to the gospel invitation? Because first, you don't know when your expiration date is coming. You don't know when all these end time events are going to happen. So you must be ready. There's an urgency to it. Because you better get your life right with God through Jesus before you leave this life. Or it's going to be too late. Here's a second reason for urgency when it comes to the invitation to put your faith in Jesus. Because judgment is coming. Look at what Jesus says in in verse 12 here. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now that that particular word reward there, I don't particularly like the translation here in this version of the Bible, but it literally is my wages is the idea. Okay, I'm I'm, going to give what people deserve is the idea. Okay, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now, we know for the Christian, our sins have been forgiven through Jesus. And so when we stand to be judged before Jesus, it's going to be about being rewarded for how faithful we lived our life for Jesus in this world. How many are thankful for that? Okay, so this is not for the Christian, their judgment before Jesus will not be about condemnation for sin because their sin has already been forgiven. It's about rewards. Everybody got that? 
But for the non-Christian, they're going to get what their life deserved. What did the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. They're going to have, before a holy righteous God, there's a debt that has to be paid. And look what it says in verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know what that means? There is no other court that you can appeal to. The Bible tells us that every single person who ever lived one day will stand before Jesus in judgment. And remember what we learned through this series and then when we did the book series and the books were opened? Everything you're doing in your life is being recorded. Jesus is going to review that one day and he's going to give you what you deserve, whether it be rewards or punishment for your sin. That's why it's so important that you have Jesus in your life because he's the only one that could pay for the sin for you. Judgment is coming. There's an urgency to be ready because one day you will stand before Jesus as judge. Now, there's a third reason for urgency when it comes to the invitation to find salvation through Jesus because a cleansing is required. All your sin has to be paid for in full in order to spend eternity with God. All of it. Your spiritual record must be completely and totally clean by the time you stand before Jesus in judgment one day. And Jesus is the only one that can cleanse your spiritual record. His innocent blood is the only thing that can pay for your sins and take away that debt. That's why verse 14 says here, look at this. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the what? City. The new Jerusalem on the new heavens and new earth. You say, what does it mean by wash their robes? What are their robes? What were their robes? What were their robes washed in? Are you ready for this? The blood of Jesus. Look what we're told in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus, his son. What does it do? Cleanses us from what? All sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you have been redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, talking about your sin, but with the precious what? Blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The blood of Christ is what can pay for every single one of your sins. Many of you are familiar with the Beatitudes found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, and so on. There are nine Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. Did you know that there are seven Beatitudes found in the book of Revelation? Let me just quickly go through them in order. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Revelation 14, 3. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Revelation 16, 15. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so 
as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Revelation 19.9, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Revelation 26, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him. And then in, in chapter 22, we've already read them, but let me read them again. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. And then verse 14, blessed are those who, who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Listen, you must be washed in the blood of Christ. Your sins must be totally paid for and wiped clean before you stand in judgment before Jesus one day. If not, it'll be too late. And you will not be able to be in the new heaven and new earth. Let me give you one more reason that Jesus wants us to understand the urgency of the invitation to find salvation in him while there's still time to do so because there will be a separation. You know, there's this popular thought theology out there that says, hey, everybody's going to go to heaven no matter what. No, there will be a separation. In fact, Jesus actually told us in the Gospels that more people will find themselves outside of heaven than inside of heaven. That's why he said the road that leads to destruction is broad. And many people are going to be on that road, but the road that leads to eternal life is narrow because there's only one way to find it, and it's through Jesus. There's only one name that you can find it through. It's through Jesus because there's only one person that can save you from your sin and pay the price for your sin, and his name is Jesus. That's why the road is narrow. Understand there will be a separation between non-Christians and Christians. Look at verse 15. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Now, that's not saying that anybody that ever did one of those things can't ever go to heaven. They can if they put their faith in Jesus and live and serve him for him. Amen? But what it's saying is people who, who want to hold on to those things, who don't want to repent of those things, who think they can get there their own way, they're going to be left on the outside. Do you understand that? Jesus said there was going to be a separation. Look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he's talking about a second coming, he will sit on his glorious throne. What is he going to be doing on his throne? Judging people. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And what did we learn in the book of Revelation? Those that are his sheep, those that have found forgiveness of their sin through him, they're going to spend all of eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. But where are unbelievers that are still in their sin, that still have payment due for their sin? Where are they going to spend all of eternity? In the lake of fire paying for their sin for eternity. There will be a separation. That's why there's an urgency to the invitation that is still going out in this world today to put your faith in Jesus. When you get to verse 16, Revelation 22, we read this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the... Oh, does Jesus want his church to know about all this? He wants you to know about it. 
And he says, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Now watch this. The spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, and the bride. Who's the bride? The church of Jesus Christ, right? The Holy Spirit right now in this world and the bride of Christ, the church in this world. What is their message to the world? They say, come. Jesus has given you an invitation. And look what it says. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes, who wishes take Take the free gift of the water of life. Do you understand the urgency? Do you understand God doesn't want anybody to perish in hell? That God wants everybody to find salvation in Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is there's still time. My Holy Spirit is still working to draw people to Jesus. My church is still preaching. And while there is time, take advantage because there's an expiration date to all this. This judgment's coming. You must be cleansed. There is going to be a separation. What Jesus is saying is, is, here's my invitation for you. Please take advantage of it. You almost hear the plea and the cry of the Lord's heart. So, since Jesus is coming soon, he wants everyone to know about the certainty of his coming the urgency of his invitation. And finally, he wants us to know about the severity of his warning. So serious does Jesus take the book of Revelation and the subject of the end times. Look at the warning that he gives about it. This is so interesting. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll... If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. Why such a harsh warning? Can I tell you why? Because God wants the invitation to be clear. He wants people to understand what the invitation really is. And the moment you start to go, the moment you start to take revelation and go, oh, I don't, you know, God's never going to judge the world. You start to lose the gospel. The moment you start to say, there's not going to be a great white throne judgment. There's not any kind of lake of fire. Everybody's going to go to heaven no matter what. The moment you start to take those things away, you lose the gospel invitation. So Jesus says, don't mess with the message. Don't mess with the end time events because the end time events clearly lay out the need to respond to the invitation that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. There's too many people banking their eternal destiny on a lie that the world's told them, 
but some meme on Facebook that they've bought into? The Bible's very clear. The end time events spell it out very, very simple for you to understand. There are too many people buying into what I would call the doctrine of demons. You know what the doctrine of demons is? Everybody goes to heaven no matter what. It's not what the book of Revelation teaches us. God would never send anybody to hell. That's not what the book of Revelation teaches us. It's the doctrine of demons, folks. Look how Revelation chapter 22 ends. This is how your Bible comes to a close. He who testifies of these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. And look how John ends. He just can't help himself. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Amen. Why study the end times? Because it's important. It's important because God wants you to have hope. He knows what's coming. He wants you to have hope in a world that is just becoming more of a mess. Bible said that would happen as we get closer to the return of Christ. He wants you to be ready for it. He wants you to understand the gospel. He wants us to understand as a church what we should be preaching to the world. The, 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 the message we should be preaching to the world is, oh, Jesus loves you more than anything and you need him in your life because you need to find salvation in him from your sin. Okay? It's not, hey, just go love people and you'll be okay. Oh, we should love people, but you gotta, there are going to be a lot of people that love people that won't be in heaven because they still have the debt of sin in their life. Here's the other thing that I think knowing the end times will help you do. It'll help you recognize false teaching. It'll help you recognize false prophets. It'll help you recognize, can I tell you, there is false teaching and false prophets that are coming from just people's opinions in this world and they're never standing on a stage, but you're running into them in social media and you're seeing memes and posts. And man, I, I see so many Christians buying into lies that they see on social media because they don't know their Bible and they don't know their end times. This will help you recognize what is true and what is false and what is being, being preached in this world. That's why this is so important. All right, I'm done. I told you, this young preachers need to hear this message. You said, you're sounding like an old fogey now, old preacher. Well, maybe I am an old preacher now. But can I tell you something? There's wisdom that comes when you study the Word of God enough to all of a sudden go, oh my goodness. Too many Christians now buying into the lies of the world because they want to be more popular than they want to be truthful. Can I tell you, I don't want to get to heaven one day and say, you said under a pastor that wasn't truthful for you. I want to get to heaven one day and, and I want God to say, your pastor told you the truth. And the truth is God loves you more than you can imagine. That's why he sent his son, but you must put your faith in him if you're going to spend eternity with God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're maybe here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus I'm going to give you that opportunity. Maybe you're at home this morning and you've listened to this message. You have not responded to the invitation. Listen, you need to be ready because 
Jesus is coming at a time when you don't expect. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be five years from now. We don't know. But Jesus says you must be ready. So if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you have never made a connection with Jesus in your life. Listen, it's a free gift that you receive. It's not something you earn. Christianity isn't go clean yourself up and then come to God. It's come to God and then he'll work on cleaning you up from the inside out as you worship him and serve him over time. So Jesus is calling you this morning. So if you're here this morning, you do not put your faith in Jesus. I want to say a prayer with you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just pray this prayer from your heart to God's heart. And Christians, if you've already given your life to Jesus, would you pray this as well? Dear God, I come to you today. And I thank you that you have left us with your word. You have left us with truth that we may know the way to spend eternity with you. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of salvation and that my only hope is found in Jesus who died on a cross for me who paid the price for my sin so that I could go free so that I could be cleansed from my sin and spend all of eternity with you I ask you Jesus to come into my heart today and be the Lord of my life from this day forward. Help me to serve you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. Thank you for saving me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I thank God he's done with end times. It's been like forever. I hope you've enjoyed this series. Here's where we're going next. We're going to do a Christmas series starting next week called A Christmas Carol. And we're going to talk about how Jesus came to take care of your past, help you with your present, and also prepare for your future. And so you don't want to miss it. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if they go ahead and come at this time. If you gave your heart to Jesus here this morning for the first time, we would love to pray with you. Come up and see us. Or maybe you just need prayer for some issue in your life or you know somebody that needs prayer and you'd like to pray for them. Our prayer partners will be up here. So would you come at this time if you need prayer? Go ahead and start coming. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, flannel Sunday next week. Okay, get your flannel on. Have a great Sunday.